Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. So good to be back. We are so excited about what God is doing. You know, the the Spirit of God is doing some amazing things around the world. And uh, especially just what's happening uh, right here. And I just sense in my spirit that... um, I, and I just want to be obedient. I just sense in my spirit that God is going to do something incredibly special during this whip, hammer, and cross. And, you know, it's not my uh, job. Pastor didn't assign me to say this. But if you would take those tickets, you have to remember that those tickets literally represent a soul that will go into eternity. And so I would recommend that you that you spend time praying in the spirit over those tickets and ask the Holy Spirit to prompt you on who to give it to and, and, and not be shy. You know, you don't have to be, you know, in, in someone's face, but, but not be shy about the offer to say, Hey, I have this ticket for you. And, and some of you may even want to say, I have asked God to tell me who to give this to, and he told me to give it to you. And I believe that that people are going to be saved because of your obedience to do that. Amen? Amen. I just sense a powerful presence of the Holy Spirit this morning here at Calvary. I I want to just give you a couple things. Five-Star Man book is available. If you don't have this book, men... I want to encourage you to get this book. Um, we're no longer selling books. We're we're uh, receive donation if you if you want to give toward it. That's great. But we have a few of these books on the book on the book table, so it's there. Um, also, the Centurion Principle that there. I want to make sure that you get that. The Holy Spirit spoke to me about uh, about this and. Uh, so we're just making those available. And so if you want to give a donation to our movement, a five-star man, I appreciate that. Pastor and I have been working for several years now going into Brazil, launching five-star man Brazil. And five-star man, we're adding new churches every week now, uh, resurrecting off any manhood. But the Lord opened up a great door of opportunity in Brazil and so now we're publishing the Daily Champion in Brazil. And so this is the first copy that came off the press. And we're, we're believing that God is going to do something incredible for men there in Brazil. The second book that is being printed for Five Star Men in Brazil is Pastor's book, The Resurrection of Authentic Manhood. And that is going to change lives. And so we're just excited about that. Amen. All right, that's enough of of that. Let me just get into the Word. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. While you're turning to Matthew chapter 18, I want to make a confession of faith in regards to our message this morning. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to communicate your Word. I thank you, Father. I stand in the office of a teacher The prophet Isaiah said that stammering lips will speak fluently and clearly. I pray that I will speak clearly as I should, making the most of this opportunity that my conversation is seasoned with salt. 
I pray you'll watch over your word to perform. Your word will not return void, but will accomplish the purpose for which you sent him. I pray you give us ears to hear your word. And as we receive the word of God, we mix your word with faith to produce a harvest of righteousness in our lives. Now, in the authority of Jesus Christ, I bind any deception, any distraction, any devil that would hinder the work of your word in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, Jesus called children to him and he, he makes this statement. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom. You know, I, I communicate to men. That, that is the assignment that God has given me, to communicate to men. And so th- th- I'm just going to be real transparent. This is one of those scriptures that men don't really go to. This isn't a go-to for men. And there are a couple reasons. One is we don't want to be childish. We want to put away childish thoughts and childish ways. And so when Jesus gives this illustration of having children around him and saying to grown men, you must become like a child. You must humble yourself. Well, see, some of us don't really want to resonate with that. And just to be honest with you, because as a child growing up and my father exited my life at five years of age, my childhood reeks of vulnerability, of defenselessness, exposure to wickedness. So for me to go back to child, childhood is not a great invitation for me. You may have a great childhood, but for me, it's a revisit to somewhere I don't want to go. And so for grown men, this is a difficult thing because even Nicodemus, the, the great rabbi, said, surely a man cannot enter into his mother's womb when Jesus said, you must be born again. So this is not a typical men's message, and yet... When God told me to write a book on prayer, I entitled it Pray Like a Man, but as I began to really flesh it out, I realized, wait a minute, it's not pray like a man, it's pray like a son. Let me explain. I was working, and most of you know my story, but I was working in a coal mine. I worked worked seven nights a week, 12 hours a night, every day of the year without ever taking a night off. And I worked alone pumping water out of the pit into a retention pond so that those who operated equipment and the, you know, drag line and everything, they could work during the day. If I didn't do my job, they didn't get to do their job. And that was a heavy responsibility for a 19, 20, 21-year-old guy. Working alone, isolated at night, having enough life already, life experience already enough to have such depression and destruction in my life that finally I looked up to heaven and considering the heavens, I actually cried out, God, do you know me? God, do you care? 
And it was the first time I heard the voice of God. And you say, well, did you actually hear the audible? I don't know if I heard the, the verbal vibrations, but I know I heard God. And God said to me, I do know you. And I call you by your name. And, that, and I've given you the spirit of a son that you may call me Abba, Daddy. You know what's interesting about that is I had never read Scripture. I did not know that the Scripture confirmed that. Romans chapter 8 and Galatians talks about that we have the spirit of a son that call him Abba, Abba Father. I did not know that was Scripture, so when I came to Christ and later learning that scripture, you can imagine the confirmation in me realizing that God has given me access to him as a son. What I didn't realize is a lot of Christians don't relate to God in that position. See, there's three failed attempts to to relate to God. The, The first failed attempt to relate to God is really through credentialing. The idea that somehow you can do something and earn some way of approaching God. The the Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, was actually known as Saul. And Saul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was was flawless... he, he said, I was flawless, and, and in comparison to my peers, I surpassed them. He was comparing himself to his peers. And he was credentialing himself among everything that he knew. He said, I was so zealous that I would even persecute the church. And yet, the, the Apostle Paul had the experience of persecuting the church when he was Saul... And the epiphany was when the light of God shone and said, why are you persecuting me? The Apostle Paul later says, everything that I am and was is considered rubbish. There's no credentialing. See, a lot of people have this idea that, oh, well, if I'm just a good boy, if I'm just a good girl this week, then God will hear me. Maybe if I do tithe, maybe maybe if I show up to church extra, maybe I get extra credit. How many know what I'm talking about? And you can dress this up in all kinds of ways. You can have your little denominational dress code. You can have your rules and regulations. And you can have your song and dance. And you can say, okay, because I do all of this, God likes me. Guys, that doesn't work. You cannot do anything. You're contaminated. You can't do anything in the credentialing process to become acceptable to the throne of God. Are you, are you tracking with me? I know I just messed up a lot of your works theology. You can't discipline yourself to holiness. And it's certainly not going to help you judging everyone else that's not living up to your disciplines. Another felt approach is what the Israelites did and It's pretty amazing. They wanted to serve God, but they wanted to serve Him from a distance. 
They attempted to serve God only from a distance. They said in Exodus chapter 20, when they saw, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear, and they said to Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen to you, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. I find it amazing that these people were around the mountain, literally seeing the presence of God, and they said, no, 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 wait a minute. We want, we want a relationship with God, but we want him to keep his distance from us. And they said that we don't even want to hear him talk. Moses, you talk to him, and then you tell us what he said. You say, well, no, no one would be that. Well, yeah, that's, that's the way it is right now. There's Christians who say, okay, well, this is, this is, this is the word of God, but God no longer speaks. They, they, God spoke to, to the writers of the word, but God won't speak to you. And they create an error of scripture. They, they, they create an error by saying, now listen, no one believes in the word more than me. But what I do know is God is still working and still speaking. So what a lot of Christians do, they want God, but they don't want the ramifications of his presence. They want God, but don't interrupt our agenda of the service. They want God, but... So they create, they create doctrines to say, well, the gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. The gifts of the Spirit should be relegated to a back room. The gifts of the Spirit should not... No, 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 it stopped with the apostles. No, it didn't stop with them because it didn't start with them. God started this. He's the author. He's the finisher. And the works of God cannot be relegated to a distance. Are you tracking with me? He that has ears to hear, let him hear. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to hear the voice of God. And yes, everything that I ever think I hear from God, I confirm with his word. If I think I hear from God, there's people that they hear crazy stuff. They listen to angels and they create entire denominations. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you, you, you take the Word of God and you listen to the Spirit and you say, I can confirm that. Are you tracking with me? Okay, another failed approach is not credentialing, but not distance. Or there's another failed approach of compartmentalizing God. And that's what people do with idols. The idol worship is literally taking the, the, the man's failed image of God and compartmentalizing him into a figurine. St. Christopher, you put him on the dash so that you have safe travels. Literally. You got this saint or that saint, this saint or that saint. And the Bible is very clear that you're not to pray to any dead person. That's actually witchcraft. 
You should never utter a prayer to a dead person. And I love you. I'm not trying to hurt you. But you don't need to be talking to your dead relatives. You don't need to be conjuring them and summoning them. That's off limits. That's witchcraft. You don't get a little saint and you don't, you don't put something around your neck. You don't, anything that you put as an image of God, you have failed God. We love the cross. But if you think that cross has magic, you're going into witchcraft. If you put a crucifix around your neck and you think that that's where your God is, you're wrong. Oh, Neil, that's good preaching. Come on now. I know I'm meddling. Bowing down to the European Jesus that Grandma had on the wall. You cannot contain the invisible God. Why do you carve out with your contaminated hands a figurine and then you say, speak to me, teach me? Those who worship worthless idols become worthless worshipers. And you become what you worship. If you worship the deaf and the dumb idol that you make, you will lose your hearing and your sensitivity to the Spirit. Are you getting anything out of this yet? Here's what Jesus did. Jesus is the expressed image of the Father. And He came to the earth and He descended and He came to the earth and He began to walk with men. And all of a sudden His disciples said, Show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long that you don't recognize? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's not that you see him physically. Isaiah 53 says that there was nothing physical to attract us to Jesus. That's so important because what you need to understand is God... Gave us his son, and his son did not save us because he was cute. He saved us because he was holy. And when Jesus walked on the earth, what did you see? You saw the character, you saw the attributes of the Father in the Son. The disciples kept watching Jesus in his actions of prayer. And I find that amazing, honestly, to be on to 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 be on the earth for a short amount of time and really be in ministry for only three and a half years, and yet all during his ministry, what was he doing? He he would he would minister to people, but then he would he would retreat. He would minister to people, then he would be retreat. Half the time the disciples didn't know where, where he was. He would just show up. You know, they're out in the boat. That looks like Jesus. Yeah, that's him. They didn't know where he was. He's up in a mountain. And finally, one of the disciples said, 
Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And this is what he said. Father. Now we read that like it's no big deal. When Jesus transformed the radical nature of prayer, he did it at that moment. He said, Father. Do you know that all of the religious of that day picked up stones to actually kill him for saying that? They picked up stones to murder Jesus for simply saying, Father. See, what the Israelites had done is create such a distance in the relationship with mankind to to, to God that they wouldn't even utter his name. They wouldn't even use the Hebrew name of God. When writing it, they would would stop and worship before they would even... They wouldn't even fill out the full name. So now we don't even know actually how to pronounce the name of uh, the Hebrew. It's called a tetragrammaton. But the Hebrew letters of God. Are are you tracking with me? So Jesus shows up in this radical shift and here's what he does. He said, Father. Here's here's how how you're to pray. You know what I call that? I call that protocol. Protocol. When you pray, you pray to your Father. And one of the challenges that you must do is not transfer your experience with your earthly father to your heavenly father. It doesn't matter how good your daddy was. God is better. If your daddy was bad, I'm telling you, God is good. So when I came to the father and he spoke to me and he said, Neil, I've given you the spirit of a son that you may call me Abba, Father. Everything changed in my life. All of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I had identity. I'm a son. I always wanted that relationship. Growing up, I always wanted the security of my father. Growing up, I always wanted the acknowledgement and the blessing of my father. Growing up, I always wanted to have a sense of assurance that I have a father. Overwhelmingly, we're living in a generation of fatherlessness. Every societal ill can be traced to the fact that we do not have fathers. Or if we do have fathers, they are... Maybe in the home, but they're not present in our lives. Separations and divisions, and Satan is a master of division. And he causes the hand that was supposed to bless, it becomes the hand that molests. And every ill, everything that we're dealing with as a society is traced to fatherlessness. I'm telling you right now, This morning, God wants to be introduced to you as as your father. 
And when you understand that he is a father and he is a holy father, his name is holy. And when you have the protocol to approach him, you have the assurance of his acceptance. I like what somebody said. Religion says, I messed up. My father will kill me. But a relationship says, I messed up. I need to call my father. I heard George tell this, Pastor George tell this just the other day when we were in a gathering of some pastors. He said, you know, when I left, my, when I left home, my father looked at me and said, George, if you mess up, call me first. Guys, I want to tell you something. That's exactly the attitude that you should have. So if you do mess up, and some of you did this week, some of you made choices this week that are against and contrary to your relationship with God. And you are here, but you're, you're wanting only to serve Him from a distance because you don't want, you don't want the proximity, the, the requirements of proximity make you look at yourself and say, I am a sinner. And we say that that's a bad thing, but it's not. When you get close to your Father, He shadows you with His holiness. Your Father loves you. Your Father cares for you. Your Father is waiting for you. Years ago in 1984, when I first came to Christ and I moved to Springfield to go to Bible college, the local church there is called Calvary Temple, and the pastor, Phil Hasty, became my pastor. I've always had it, once I became a believer, that I always had a home church. I have to have a home church, and I connected myself at Calvary Temple. When Kay and I started dating, it just so happened that on our first date, we went to Calvary Temple. That was her home church as well in Springfield. So when we got married, we attended Calvary Temple, and Pastor Hasty. Uh, became my friend because I worked at a car wash. I was the manager of the car wash, and every time I put in a tide check, I, always, I also put in a gold ticket car wash for the pastor. I didn't realize that was special. But he thought, man, that's the coolest thing because every week he got free car washes from some college student, right? Well, I became his buddy. But he put on this seminar by Dr. Larry Lee. Dr. Lee was teaching this message called, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? How many of you remember that teaching? Okay, quite a few of you. That, that teaching transformed my life. The thought of praying for one hour was so far beyond me, I can't even tell you how difficult I thought that would be. To pray one hour, I thought, unbelievable. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to credential myself of praying one hour. I remember going down and starting, and he, and he taught that the Lord's Prayer was not just a, a ceremonial prayer, but it was an outline of prayer. And so I just took that, and I went down that prayer, and I prayed, and I prayed about everything that he taught me, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I looked down, and I'd been praying for five minutes. 
I'm like, what? You are pathetic. The next day, I stretched it out. I I stumbled around. I, I used God's name as a comma. I threw in his name anytime I took a breath. I looked down and I maybe prayed 10 minutes. Neil, you're pathetic. Next day, I tried even harder. I kept praying. I kept stumbling. I kept using his name. Then I threw in King James English. I can't even read King James English, much less pronounce it. And finally, I would just lay there and go to sleep. You're laughing because you've been there. You've had those prayer naps. But once I've developed this relationship, I've never had the discipline of prayer again. Because the relationship became an absolute delight in spending time with my father. I love him. I love him because every time I'm near him, he he gives me an assurance. Because with the identity that he gives me as a son, he gives me purpose. And when I'm living out my purpose, I can fulfill my destiny. I know where I'm going. The Bible says your steps of the righteous are ordered, and I know exactly. And I know that he will guide me and direct me, and he will order my steps before me so that I'm not randomly going. I don't know if I've ever seen a generation that is more shaken in purpose than this generation. There's a fatherlessness, and when you don't have father, fathers, you lose your identity. And if you don't have identity, you forfeit your purpose. As I was praying for you this morning, and actually over the last few days, I was, I was praying, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was going to speak to several of you about the, your relationship with your father. Not your earthly father, your heavenly father. And that God wants to say to you, by the spirit of God, I'm saying what the spirit is saying. I've given you the spirit of a child that you may call me Abba. You may call me Daddy. I want to say that again because I'm I'm not sure you're getting this. I'm wanting you to you, you to hear me. All of the insecurities and the vulnerabilities, all of the all of the challenges, the depression, everything that you're facing right now. I'm wanting you to hear me. The the Spirit of God is saying to you, "I've given you the spirit of a child, that you may call me." Father, the identity crisis of this generation is because of fatherlessness, not knowing who we are. And God is affirming you right now. 
to say, I am your father. I'm pleased with you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? You're here this morning and you would say, Neil, I desperately need to hear God's voice affirm me as a child today. If that's you, raise your hand. Raise your hand all the way up. I I need God to affirm me as a child today. You can put your hand down. The next thing I feel like I have to pray about is I would say this. You're here this morning and you would say, I have a misunderstanding of God because of my earthly father. And I need to know him. I need to know God as my father. Raise your hand. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And when I do, if you raise your hand for any of those reasons, I want you to come down and I want to pray for you. Would you stand to your feet? And if you raise your hand, I want you to come. I want to, I want to pray for you. You raised your hand. Come on. Just make one good line, please. Ushers, would you help me out, Bart? You guys, would you? So I'm going to come down and walk in front of them. Just, just come on. We have this line here, but the, the Holy Spirit just told me that he wants to release healing healing right now in the house if you have a physical need in your body I want you to come and I'm going to pray for you as well you have a physical need in your body right now you have a sickness you have something going on a few weeks ago I was at James River Church and I've been dealing with something for seven years I had an injury in my right foot It got to a point where every step I took was just a shooting pain up my leg. Didn't know what to do with it. I'd reached a point of just didn't know. Hard to wear shoes, hard to walk. It was at James River and I was during the service and I I just stepped out in the aisle just like you did. And I just said, Lord, Father... I need you to touch me. I've prayed about this so many times. But Father, I really need you to touch me today. And I kept praying and I just started moving my foot. And I just started moving my foot. And started moving my foot. My wife and my daughter and her husband were there. And they stepped out and they were laying hands and being in agreement with me. But 
they were praying. They thought that I was praying for my ears to hear because I've got, I've been having some hearing loss and, and, you know, went and got it checked out and the audiologist looked at me and said, so how long have you been reading lips? I said, a long time. It didn't, it didn't really bother me until everyone started wearing masks, Right? Yeah, some of you are identifying with me right now. You're, you're, yeah, I'm with you, brother. So they're praying over my hearing. I don't really at that moment don't care. I'm, I want this pain out of my leg, right? I started just thanking the Father, just thanking the Father, moving like this, moving like this. And I just thank you, thank you, Father. And all of a sudden, boom, no more pain. Haven't had pain in my leg since. What I, I told you that testimony so that you understand God wants to heal your body right now. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.